Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast. I am Megan Robinson, joined, of course, by Justin Southwell and Eve Batoba. Guys, this is like the last week without football. I know the season doesn't start next week, but camp starts next week, which means we're just about back. Hey, football's back. Yeah. Can we just say it? Are we allowed to say that football's back? What are we like six Saturdays from kickoff? So, yeah, I'm counting it. We're rolling, baby. We're rolling. Wrap up all your vacations. It is time to work. Let's go. Yay. So excited. Uh, Because we are so close, Justin had the idea. He's like, let's do a little shallow dive, if you will, on our new competition entering the Big 12 this year. That's right. UCF, Cincy, Houston, BYU. We decided to, over the course of the next two weeks, examine two teams each starting with Cincinnati we're going in the order that we play them this season it makes the most sense because we're going to see Cincinnati first so let's talk about them first they are Justin mentioned last week about how they are the only team joining the conference who has any playoff experience they made the CFP in 2021 however that was under Luke Fickle they have a new head coach this year Scott Satterfield he was formerly at Louisville last season The big thing to me, guys, they are only returning seven starters to their lineup this season, and two of those guys are on offense. So you have five defensive starters returning and two on offense. Initial thoughts when you hear that. Yeah, that lack of experience is something that could pay some huge dividends for our team. I think that, you know, the fact that it's a new coach, new coaching staff, and essentially all new players – um, just feels like that's something that our team can exploit, um, especially given the fact that we have so much continuity with the coaching staff and with returning players. So I'm all for that. You know, you take a look at our big exodus that we had at the end of the season and people were freaking out. You can only imagine how Cincinnati fans were feeling after <laughs> all the turnover that they had. So, hey, I'm here for it. Absolutely. And, you know, that experience, uh, I, I guess there is a little bit of – maybe a learning curve for the rest of the teams in the big 12 that you don't have a lot to go off of as far as film study. Uh, So you're going to have to maybe back up to maybe what Scott Satterfield was doing over at Louisville. He was, he's been with the Cardinal for the last uh, Cardinals for the last four seasons. And he had a 25 and 24 record at his time there. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of maybe a little bit of an interesting hire. I don't know what Cincinnati was looking for in, in replacing Luke Fickle, who in my mind is just like he's top tier uh, for what he's what he was able to do at Cincinnati, but yeah, that experience uh, we will see yeah how they hold up. But one of those guys we are familiar with, their quarterback Emory Jones, coming from Arizona State, we uh, held him in check a little bit last year, but we'll see how he does. 
That was a smooth transition, Justin, because I was about to say the same thing. He is a transfer, began his career at Florida, transferred to Arizona State and last for last season. Now at Cincy, and as you said, Justin, we had a decent amount of luck against him last year. He has 1,300, about 1,300 career rushing yards. However, last year when we faced Arizona State, we held him to negative 17. I don't even want to say held him. Yeah. You know, he had negative 17 rush yards. He did throw for 223 yards and a touchdown. Guys, last season, we saw the Cowboys struggle against backup QBs. Emery's not a backup QB. I say that to say he's a familiar face that who we hopefully will face come homecoming weekend. How does that benefit our defense? Well, I mean, don't get it twisted. I think that he was just with a bad team, a bad Arizona State team. The entire coaching staff got fired the last season. One thing to remember about Emory Jones is this guy actually beat out Anthony Richardson for the starting job while he was in Florida before Anthony Richardson wow. later on proved to be the starter. So you got to keep that in mind, right? Uh, AR ended up being the number four overall pick to the Indianapolis, Co Indianapolis Colts. So keep that in mind. But it's so interesting because whenever you look up what type of scheme – uh, Satterfield actually likes to run, it'll say a spread offense. But then whenever you actually look at the film or you watch any game, you see that he still very much favors a run-focused spread option attack, preferably with a dual-threat quarterback pulling the strings, and that's Emory Jones. So you're taking a guy who, and I'm talking about the head coach here, in 2022, last season, they were 19th amongst FBS teams in design quarterback runs with 78. Mm -hmm and 11th in design quarterback rushing yards, 547. And it seems like and, – and by the way, that's with Malik Cunningham being inconsistent because of injuries, right? So he was coming in and out of the lineup. So Emory Jones has that athletic ability. He is a dual-threat quarterback. And I know, Justin, you brought up, you know, kind of, you know, what his record has been, uh, especially what it was whenever he was with Louisville. But his first three seasons, Scatterfield – uh, their offense ranked in the top 20 in yards per play every single year before they fell to 46 last year. But it's a, uh, you know, they're the real deal and they should be taken seriously and taken as such. So maybe the familiar familiarity will help, but he's going into a completely different environment than the one that we faced him in last season. And I just don't know what that's going to bring for us. Yeah. And the other guy that they have like, you know, experienced quarterback, but they've also got that transfer at running back from LSU. Um, Miles Montgomery. So we'll see. We'll see how he does. Um, last year, I think Miles he had Montgomery or Corey Kiner. That's right. Uh, let's see. UC Brings Corey Corey Kiner, Kiner and Miles Montgomery. Okay, yeah, Kiner's the one from LSU, LSU, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he rushed for 362 yards and five touchdowns last season. So uh, still, they have experience, but playing together, being on this team with two returning starters, new coaching staff, new offense to learn. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a big challenge and you're going up against a power five team every week, as opposed to just every once in a while. So Cincinnati's got an uphill battle for sure. Justin, you mentioned the running back situation. So Corey Kiner and miles Montgomery are Cincinnati's, you know, one, two punch at running back. You mentioned the touchdowns. However, looking into stats from last year, we struggled with our run game. OSU struggled sure. with our run game on offense. However, we also struggled with stopping the run. We ranked 101 in run defense, allowing 178 yards per game mm. and averaging, giving up about 4.68 yards per carry last season. So we're facing these two running backs, 362 yards. It's not 
astonishing, but it's also not yeah. nothing. So what does our defense need to do to prepare for these two running backs that we've never really faced? I do not like this combination at all because it's not just preparing for these two running backs. You're also preparing for a spread option type of attack with a really athletic quarterback. So you're having to stop the running backs. You're having to stop the QB. And historically, when you look at OSU facing this type of offense, um, whether it's an option type of offense or triple, you know, triple threat type of offense, we've always struggled against them. Mm -hmm. And I just don't like it. I don't like the sound of it. OSU's defense was bad against the run. We were bad against the pass. Yo, just pick a struggle. You got to pick one of them. You can't be bad against everything. But that's what we were. So um, hopefully things will, will really, really tighten up. But I do believe that this is a real opportunity for some of our defensive tackles to shine, right? Like Nathan Latu, who's coming in. Um, you know, OSU fans aren't too familiar with him. But if he can come in and Justin Kirkland can set the tone early on, especially against a team that is in, as inexperienced as they are, that should be able to kind of at least set a foundation for what we can be this season. Uh, well, I do think that uh, we have one big change coming up on on defense and that's nardo and that 335 scheme so even though we have eve like you said struggled in the past against that option running attack i think we maybe are setting up ourselves to be able to defend that a little bit better the 335 is a uh, very uh, zone heavy so a lot of yeah. uh, especially with the corners being able to play corner uh, cover to to be able to come down and and uh, fill the gaps on the outside and turn back things inside. Mm -hmm. uh, you got some strong safety play that can come up and, and just hit some people. So, you know, I think, uh, I think we have a shot at um, maybe versus what we had in our, in our previous defense. So I don't know. Time will tell. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is interesting, right? Like it, I think whenever you look at, I keep wanting to say his name differently every single time that I say it. Just sat, just call him sat. Sat. Okay. So sat, if you look at his past and you look at what he did at Louisville, they get really creative with their tight end sets, right? As far as like multiple tight end sets and going spread whenever it is necessary. So for me, when I look at Kendall Daniels, for example, that gets me excited about what Kendall might be able to do against these tight ends. Um, it gets me excited about Ladarius Webb Jr. I mean, I don't know if y'all have looked him up on the Oklahoma State website lately. Whenever you look him up, and try to find his position. All it says is hybrid. It's not corner. Nice. It's not safety. It's not like it's just hybrid. I like the sound of that. I, that makes me think that we're going to be very creative in the way that he is utilized, right? Almost like a Swiss Army knife type of player. So yeah. I'm expecting big things out of him as well as Justin Wright out of you know University of Tulsa. So you know, hopefully we can get some good things out of them. Man, you mentioned tight ends, and uh, one of the best tight ends ever came from Cincinnati. So I hope we don't see anything along the lines of Travis Kelsey lining up against us this year. <laughs> I don't know if we have to worry about that. I'm going to talk about their wide receivers in just a second, but Eve, you've been talking about our defense, learning a new scheme, the three, three, five under coach Nardo, the Louisville, sorry, the Louisville, not Louisville, the Cincinnati offense is also learning a new scheme this year and I bring that up because their offensive line one of the two returning starters to offense is an offensive lineman that's their only veteran only returning starter on the line one they're also learning a new blocking scheme we talk hmm. a lot about defensive schemes switching from a 3-4 to a 4-3 and the challenges of doing that in a general offense what are the challenges of an offensive lineman having to learn a new blocking scheme 
Man, I don't even know really. I guess so you can't you can't just learn something from week to week, which is why we didn't see us completely swap out our our blocking scheme from zone to to gap but uh last year. But, you know, uh, given any kind of offseason, uh I don't think it's I don't think it's that tough necessarily. Um just I don't know. You kind of just get used to it. You do what you're told. It's it's tough for maybe like a week or two, and then you start settling in. Kind of like anything else, you learn something new. It's you know a little bit of a learning curve, but you get comfortable with it. Uh, at least you're going to be uh, good enough to be able to execute it, or your coaches are going to change something, or they're going to change you in that position. They're not going to run you out there and you just completely fall on your face. Yeah. So. Yeah, honestly, a lot of this just comes down to the coaches. I spent some time with a guy named Clyde Christensen. He was Peyton Manning's quarterback coach back when he was in Indianapolis, and he was our offensive coordinator when I worked at the Miami Dolphins. And he would always tell me, like, the most important thing is just making sure that your offensive linemen have the fundamentals and the techniques down pack. Because when it comes to scheme, there's just so many different things that you can do, right? You have your tag fold block run technique. You have your hinge man run technique. You got your cutoff zone run techniques, ace double team run techniques. There's so many different things. But as long as the fundamentals are right and you have the proper technique, you should be able to you know, come across with you know pulling guards and whams and blocks and all that. That'll t- be able to take care of itself. But somebody told me once the most important hire that you make on the offensive side of the ball is the offensive line coach because everything mm-hmm. starts at ends in the trenches. So – I don't, uh, you know, because they they kind of have an overhaul with the coaching staff and everybody is new. I don't anticipate it being um, a smooth transition, but you never know because I don't even know who their O line coach is. But uh, yeah, it really just depends. It depends on the coach and it depends on the players' abilities to pick it all up. Yeah. Last position group to talk about on the offensive side of the ball for Cincinnati is, of course, the wide receivers. Their top six wide receivers on the team left to either the transfer portal or the NFL, the top six, that number to me is it's crazy insane because you're seeing max three on the field at a time. Yeah. Complete yeah. overhaul. So yeah. that's just mind blowing to me. When I read that they're expecting to have transfers D Wiggins and Donovan Ollie to be the top targets. Wiggins only had 67 yards last season because he suffered a season ending foot injury early on in September, but he showed promise in his first three seasons. I believe it was at Miami. He was at Miami transferred to Louisville was at Louisville last year, season ending injury, and then came with his head coach up to Cincinnati. Yeah. Ollie Donovan Ollie was teammates with our new addition, Dijon Stribling last year at Washington state. He was the number three receiver on the team. Stribling was one. Just need to throw that out there. <laughs> he had 491 yards at Washington State, three touchdowns for the Cougs. So, but last year, Eve, I think you mentioned it. We struggled against the run. We struggled against the pass. We ranked 106 in the nation in passing yards allowed with 257.7 per game. And this number blew my mind 11, almost 12 yards per completion. That's over a first down per completion. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty bad. But I tell you what, well, first and foremost, let's just say Donovan, Ollie, Ollie Gordon, there ain't enough room for two Ollie's on this football field. All right. Only one Ollie will emerge as the true Ollie. So let's make sure that it's, it's Ollie. Ollie, Ollie oxen free. <laughs> but yo, let me, let, let me tell you, I like the sound of this, you know, top six wide receivers left 
Yeah, I mean, that lack of continuity and combine that with pretty good continuity from our end. Megan, whenever you went to Big 12 Media Day, you said that you spoke to Brock. Um, sorry, Corey Black. Corey Black, who said that he was going to have multiple interceptions before Colin Oliver had his first interception. So this is going to be the game where he can probably he, he might be able to make that happen. OK, he might be able yeah. to get two interceptions in this game against this type of team. So if you can't do it here, then, man, I'm, I'm sorry. For homecoming I as a reminder. I Ooh. hope Corey Black has an interception far before homecoming. You know, at this sure. point, we're already two thirds of the way through the season. So I hope Corey gets something maybe against Central Arkansas or Arizona State. You know. Yeah, well, you know, depending on how long they're going to be on the field, right? But, yeah, that's uh, that's something that I'm looking forward to is that that matchup, that lack of experience versus a whole bunch of game experience. I think that only Ferris well. Plus, it's more of a, a focus on the running quarterback, I think. Emory mm -hmm. Jones, I don't know how great of a passer he was at, at Arizona State. Um, but I'm sure they're welcoming all kinds of transfer receivers. There's just there's nothing there right now. So, yeah, that's just a complete overhaul. I'm sure they'll eventually get settled in, but it's going to be a tough year for him, I think, this year. Wow. The offense at Cincinnati has a lot of question marks, which hopefully our defense can capitalize on, take advantage, pick at them, hit them with their week. What yes, is not weak is their defense. Nah, defense in a much better spot. Woo! Their defense is like low-key scary. Their defensive line in particular, they have a kid, the godfather Dante Corleone, returned mm. after an incredible freshman season. And yes, he's named the godfather, nicknamed the godfather because Dante Corleone, Don Corleone from the movie The Godfather. Like that nickname, like oh, you have to be a baller. And that's hard. You, he yeah. Is. As a freshman last season, he earned the mm. highest grade of any defensive player per pro football focus, any defensive player okay. in college football. So I'm like, it's not just the nickname. It is he is not. a baller. Yeah. Plus he is joined by veterans Malik Van and Jawan Briggs who have a combined 19 career sacks guys. Gundy has said it multiple times to the media at big 12 media days throughout press conferences. Their focus this year is the run game. They want to really emphasize the run game on our offense what types of problems could this very experienced D-line cause our attempt to increase our rushing game? Yo, I don't like this. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to you. I don't like this at all because I think that one of our biggest weak points, unfortunately, is our offensive line. Uh, we had pretty bad O-line play last season. Who knows what we're going to be able to do this year. But if you're taking, you know, an experienced defensive line as well as a guy who was a freshman last year that had the highest grade on PFF, I, I, that's just a bad combination. But, you know, um, combine that also, by the way, with the fact that whenever uh, Satterfield was at Louisville, they actually were second in the country just last season with 43 sacks while totaling the third most turnovers in the nation with 28 takeaways. So, mm -hmm. and, and I think he has a defensive background as well. So if, it sounds like he has that part of the field pretty down pat and, and, and right. But uh, it might have to be one of those situations, to be honest with you, where we're relying a lot on, on quick game. If we can't establish a run, if we can establish a run play action is going to be a big, a big deal for us. But yeah, this will be a great challenge for our offensive line as well as for Coach Dunn to see how creative he can get with the play calling. Yep. 
I was going to say the same thing as far as uh, quick game. I think that that's probably the easiest way to keep them on their heels. Um, slant screens, uh, running back, you can throw screen. them out to the, in the flats. Um, I think that Jaden Nixon has potential to have a big game in this type of scenario. Use speed to your advantage in this case. Uh, have run more of your two-minute offense, fast pace. Just have them really just suck in there. You know, they're going to be in a rowdy house with Boone Pickens Stadium at homecoming. So you got to get them rattled early and you can't let them have any kind of momentum or get them to dig their heels in um, to to build up any confidence. You just got to just keep them rattled the whole game. One of the positives, we play all of the four newcomers to the Big 12 this season. This is our first game. Cincinnati is our first game, and that is October 28th. So we will have... Mm -hmm eight, nine weeks of film to watch before we actually face them. So it's fun to sit here and talk about it now and the season preview and what on paper should be happening, who the players to watch are. But again, we're not facing them right out the gate. Right. Other teams in the Big 12 will play them before we get to play them. So I think that's a advantage for both. For they all will. Yeah, so they, they start off their big – I'm just going to go conference schedule, but they, they start off with OU – then BYU, then Iowa State, Baylor, before they play Oklahoma State. So, yeah. I mean, those are some tough teams in there. Um, sure. Oh, use their fourth game of the year at the end of September, and it's kind of like, man, well, I mean, that's that's going to be, a, I think, a, a fun game to watch just to see. It's uh, the opening conference week, and we get to see newcomer versus one one of the best in the in the recent Big Twelve history. So, um, we'll see if they can hold up see how close of a game it is. And then, then the fun begins. We get to see what they look like the next week when they have to line up against BYU. And then the yeah. next week against Iowa state and then the next week against Baylor. So we have all that film to, to be able to check right. out. So Don Dante Corleone, Don Corleone, he was a freshman at Cincinnati last year. I believe so, man. That's, that's interesting. Like, so even with an overhaul and the coaching staff and everything, he still decided to stay in Cincinnati. That's pretty cool. He's um, a red shirt. Sorry. He's a red shirt sophomore. And he was, okay. But he was at Cincinnati still, right? Correct. So he redshirted in 2021 and 2022 was a red shirt freshman year. Nicknamed oh. the Godfather. Yeah. Uh, well, I say that, I say that to say this, he didn't hit the transfer portal, so I guess nobody made him an offer that he couldn't refuse. Yeah, yeah, because you never go against the family. <laughs> I'm just Cincinnati's my family. I'm on Cincinnati's GoBearCats.com and looking at his little blurb from last season, um, combined with Jawan Briggs to form one of the nation's most formidable nose tackle duos. Uh, the Godfather Corleone tallied four tackles. One sack and a forced fumble at Tulsa, had a sack at SMU and at UCF, also had a fumble recovery against the Knights, and tackle, tallied 11 tackles in his first career start versus Navy. Mm. And he also had a forced fumble and a fumble recovery versus Temple. So I'm he scared. is six foot two, 318. My so, goodness. Yeah. He's, he's big. Yeah. Big boy. Yeah. Uh, Megan, I feel like you didn't appreciate our Godfather puns there that we just uh, you know, that we threw in. Guys, <laughs> I heard them. Um, I've never seen the movie. Um, I ain't gonna lie, I've never seen the Godfather. So, like, <laughs> I, mean, I get the joke. I just, I'm not like, I don't, I, I don't feel this like. Do you guys even know what cinema is? No, man, I'm the worst. I'm, I'm so bad when it comes to movies that everybody has seen. I did watch a Bronx Tale last night. Oh, you 
Yeah, for the first time. My I wife- have seen that. I have seen that one, but my friend said it. She's like, you haven't seen The Godfather? Aren't you Italian? I was like, yeah, but like, yeah, I'm not. Italian, yeah. I'm it's, a quarter Italian. I'm mostly Irish. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a classic movie. And I think where a lot of the fun stuff comes is with like parodies of it. So the one that comes to mind is in Zootopia. And yes, I've watched cartoon movies, but there's a funny Godfather scene in Zootopia. And that's, that's where I mostly get all of my Godfather references from. Never seen Zootopia. Zootopia. Eve, you have a child. You should be up to date on your Disney movies. We'll get there eventually. We'll get there. Well, enough about movie talk. Back to football. Bringing us back around. That's what podcasts are for, right? (laughs) (laughs) Last note about Cincinnati. Eve, you said it was Ladarius Webb Jr., correct? Who was marked hybrid? Mm -hmm. Well, since he has one of them, too, his name is Deshaun Pace. He was on the 2021 college football playoff team. He's playing linebacker, safety, nickel hybrid. So that's also a little concerning. Yeah. I mean, I mean, historically, you've heard it said that the hardest position to play in football is cornerback. I believe these days that that hybrid, especially the nickel position, is the hardest position to play in football because you have to know so much you have to be extra athletic and you have to have the right combination of like size and quickness, uh, yeah. of toughness and speed, right? Like this guy, Deshaun Pace is listed at 6'2", 212 pounds. But if he's playing that type of position, he's got to be somebody that's pretty freaking athletic. This is a guy that's like going up against either a tight end or a slot receiver. And yeah. oh, by the way, you've got, you know, running back coming out of the field, trying to block you. You got pulling guards, tackles coming after you. Uh, yeah, it's it's a big deal. Yeah, a lot of times they're in the position to spy the quarterback. Yeah, you got to be all over the place. Got to be really good. On Cincinnati's website, his position is listed as star. So yeah, that's what uh, Andre Sexton was labeled right. as the Oklahoma State. Yeah. yeah, he was one of the first people that I ever remember seeing that position for a star. Yeah. Which, by the way, let me just say, back then, right? So I'm talking about the 09 season. Back then, he was too small to play linebacker in the NFL. And he was too big to play safety um, in the NFL, right? He was about eh, 220-ish pounds. But nowadays, he's like the perfect size. So he just came into college football at the wrong time. Yeah. If he was playing in 2023, I believe he would have gotten drafted. That dude is one of the best and smartest football players I've ever known. That is our look at Cincinnati. We play them at home for homecoming on October 28th Halloween weekend. So start thinking of your best Halloween and homecoming costume now. Halloween and homecoming. You know, it could be cowboy related. It could not. You could just be orange and black. I don't know. Do what you want with that. You can be, how about this? Justin, if you're down, we can be Barbie and Oppenheimer. (laughs) And, you know, you can be Barbie. I'll I'll be Oppenheimer. Um, Hey, where do I fit in? I was going to say Meg could absolutely be Barbie. That well, that was the first thing that came to my mind was Mario, <laughs> just because of all the buzz right now. I have no idea why. I don't know. I barely even know what's going on right now. I just see all the social media buzz. Yeah. Well, so we y'all want to be the y'all want to be the three Stooges, three little pigs, Eve. Come oh, on. I'm not dressing up as a pig. Not a pig. Bad wolf. I'm not dressing up. You know that's. I have two months to convince you. Three months to convince you. <laughs> it ain't happening. So, yes, everyone get your Halloween costumes ready for homecoming. Super fun night. We have then after homecoming, we play OU 
And then on November 11th, Veterans Day, we head down to Orlando, Florida to play UCF. Eve, you said last week you're super excited for that game. It's yeah. already sold out. UCF is led by Gus Malzahn. He is 18 and 9 in two seasons with the school. I mean, Malzahn is also just up there on top college football coaches. He has mm-hmm. been in the league in the league. He's been in the game for decades, won a national championship as an OC at Auburn, I believe it was. I mean, he knows he's a veteran and knows how to recruit top talent, which he's already been doing. John Reese Plumley will be turning will be returning as QB. And this is what stood out to me, guys, about Plumley and the team. He was their leading rusher last season with 862 yards. I don't yeah. think he's any good. <laughs> I just I don't think he's any good. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I don't. Yo, if we can just tee off on that dude, we'll we'll completely disrupt the game and we'll be just fine. I think especially like Gus Malzahn, I think he gets too much credit, too much hype. I don't think he's as good as people say he is. Yeah, actually, we should go back to that because he won a national championship whenever Cam Newton was. Cam Newton won a national championship. Cam Newton won the national championship for him. How easy would it be to be an offensive coordinator if Cam Newton is your quarterback in college football, man. Yeah, arguably the greatest college football season ever by, by an individual player. And Gus Malzahn, I'm not – I might. he is not a coaching legend up there with, you know, Nick Saban and – Oh, definitely not. Those – no. But he's also a veteran of the sport, and I think that he could be a coach to lead a team to a college football playoff appearance. He's not – and this is not me knocking Satterfield. Satterfield's kind of like, okay, interesting hire. Well, Malzahn is the name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And he was a name at the right time. And But I think that he's right around – he's right up there with Matt Campbell for overrated coaches, uh, especially now in the Big 12 Conference. Ooh. So I I like it. I, I like it. it. I ain't feeling it. Spicy takes. Now, I will say I, I do agree with you more along – what you're saying with the coaches now on the quarterback side of things, I think this guy actually might be kind of a gamer. Mm, So Mm -hmm. we'll see, we'll see where he goes now. Uh, more so with an athlete, the run game. Yes. He's an athlete. Yeah. Uh, yeah, By the way, he was like a a center fielder for Ole Miss baseball, uh, as well as a quarterback before he transferred over to UCF. So the dude is just an athlete, more an athlete than a, than a quarterback. He might be on the UCF baseball roster too. Distracted, doesn't even <laughs> don't even love football the way that he should. My goodness, but yeah, I mean, uh, what he, you said he re, he he led the team in rushing with eight hundred some yards. Yeah, eight sixty two. So eight sixty two. Um, Only completed twelve defenses. Uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to think of maybe maybe he'll be maybe he'll be somewhere around there again if he if he can stay healthy. I think. 862 is a lot, but I mean, against Big 12 defenses, maybe not so much versus competition he had last year. Yeah, um, and only 14 touchdowns. Like, bro, can't even get to the end zone. Colin Oliver needs to have his way with this guy. That's the thing. You know, he was their leading rusher, but he only completed 63% of his passes last season for almost 2,600 yards, 14 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. So, which is, yeah. you know, not a great ratio. At all. My bigger question is your quarterback is the leading rusher. So what's happening in your run game? That's 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 just kind of what I'm thinking like though. You, we have these numbers and we're looking at the numbers and it it's 
they don't look the best, but that's why I think he might be more of a gamer. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and watch all of his film or anything, but right. I'll let other people do that. But, you know, if you're able to throw for 2,500 yards and rush for 850 yards, like you got to be pretty good. Um, so I don't know. I, I'd have to look at what their running back room look like, but if you're putting the uh, option, like it's the opportunities for the quarterback to be able to make those plays versus the running True. back, uh, which is why I think that maybe he ended up with more rushing yards. Like, I don't think anybody faulted, you know, uh, whoever the running back was for, you know, Michael Vick's teams. It's like, dude, just let Michael Vick run the ball, you know? Well, I tell you what, Gus Malzahn thinks that he has Cam Newton back there still, and he hasn't gotten away from that. That's why <laughs> That's why he got to let go. And I'm just like, bro, my man's uh, – what's his name? My man's John Riss Plumley is not Cam Newton. He ain't going to be able to do the same things. That's pretty that's funny. You mentioned their run game, and their second – I believe it was the second leading rusher last season was R.J. Harvey, ran for 796 yards. So he'll be the player to watch – in the back. So yeah, seven seven ninety six. Uh, you combine that with your quarterback, you're right up there. Yeah. Yeah, that's nothing to. It, it wasn't like it was eight sixty two and fifty yards. You know, no. Seven, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still a good amount of yards to run for. He'll be supplemented by Johnny Richardson, who had three hundred and seventy yards last season, and former five star recruit Demarcus Bowman, who was eligible this year after transferring from Clemson and Florida. Nice. So they'll have sort of three backs that they can rotate. I'm not entirely sure how they will use them but you have a quarterback who can run i mean eve you mentioned it talking about emory jones earlier in the show that we haven't done well with sort of a triple option type situation so here is another team we play cincinnati two weeks later we face you know dual threat quarterback plus these running backs (laughs) yeah i think that we do have the advantage that they are replacing a lot on the offensive line and again, reiterating the point that they're playing power five teams week after week. I think that, yeah, that's just going to yeah. play to our advantage. Uh, the one thing that I am a little bit, cons- not maybe not concerned about, but something to kind of keep an eye on is we are going to Orlando to play that game. Right. Um, they Travel will has to be, be on point. They will be wearing their space uniforms. Like they're going to make this a big, big deal. And, um, mm. You know, we just gotta we just gotta prepare for that and, and just expect a battle and don't be surprised if they're hanging around for a little while, but eventually settle in and pull away. That's kind of what I'm expecting to happen. Yeah, I think that's gonna be the longest regular season flight that we've taken in in a while, right? I mean, I guess it's West Virginia. Yeah, it's that much farther than West Virginia. Yeah. And yeah. the other point of that, we are very late into the season at this point. So November eleventh, yeah. And at that point, they will have traveled a lot over the course of that time. So they could be completely worn down by November 11th. Yeah. That traveling definitely takes a toll on you. So yeah, hopefully that is the case and we can go in there and just tee off on that dang quarterback. Yeah. And the wide receiver position, the guys to watch are Javon Baker and Kobe Hudson. Baker transferred from Alabama last season. So he transferred, but last season was his first season at UCF from Alabama he had 56 catches for 796 yards. That's pretty good. And Hudson had seven touchdown catches last season. So honestly, don't sleep on this UCF offense. When you look at the numbers, again, 
November 11th is a long way away. Let's, you know, almost through the entire season, we'll have plenty of tape to watch, but let's not knock these new additions offensively because there are some guys, they do have multiple targets at wide receiver, running back, dual threat quarterbacks. So yeah, this will be a lot, a lot different from what we saw from Cincinnati's offense. I ain't going to lie to you. I'm sleep. <laughs> I'm sleeping on UCF as a team. Scott Frost is not coming through that door anytime soon. That's fine. So, yeah, they ain't winning no more pretend national championships. They're, they're playing with the big dogs now. And I just – I know I think that's going to be an easy dub as long as we stay healthy. Xavier Benson, our linebacker, Sam linebacker, I'm expecting him to have a big game. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sleep. Somebody give me a pillow. Eve, I see your point. However, you can't go into that game thinking it's going to be a dub because the second you take your foot off the gas is the second they exploit you and you need to go into that game understanding, okay, they do have a quarterback who can run and who has a decent arm. They have these two running backs. They have a couple wide receivers who can make plays. Go in and play football, but don't go in (laughs) acting like it's a cakewalk. Should we win? Absolutely. Do I think we can win? Absolutely. Absolutely. But Yo. this is not a cupcake game by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, this isn't Michigan schedule, Eve. Hey, it's a dub, y'all. I'm telling y'all. I'm I, not I, saying I, it's not. I'm sleep. <laughs> it's a cakewalk. Hey, let me tell y'all so right now. Mark my words. Remember July 25th, 2023. We're gonna whoop UCF. I don't know, I don't know what it is about UCF, but I automatically just want to smoke with that fan base. Mm, I, you I mean don't know Central why. Florida? Yeah, I want to smoke with Central Florida. All right. So right. I'm not kind of disrespect. We're not I'm, I might mess around and just fly to that game, you know, with I'm not saying we're not gonna win. I'm just saying I know. Don't don't sleep on them because on the defensive side of the ball. I might I might hitch a ride. I might hitch a ride with our uh equipment team and just uh you know get out Justin there a couple Williams. days ahead of time. Yeah, Justin Williams, let put save room for me in the truck. I want to make that make that trip so that I can at least watch the game. He was like in the back. Just sitting there trying on different helmets and like, oh man, like the new uniforms. Just yeah, I'll be watching the game from like the top of the truck. I won't even make it inside of the stadium. Just <laughs> trying to trying to get a peek. Oh man, hey, I'll tell you, I just I don't know. I, I think this might be like the new like my new favorite team to dislike in the baseball <laughs> conference. They haven't even done anything. Like, yeah, what? I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know what it is. I th- there 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 have been a lot of f- former football players from UCF that I've met. And I've just always thought to myself, what's up with dude? And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I'll come up with a more rational reason as to why I dislike them. As of right now, it's just kind of circling in my head. Yeah. Got a few months. You have, you yeah. have time. Quickly to their defensive side of the ball. Their defense isn't as scary as Cincinnati's, but their defensive line, like Cincinnati's, is also the strength of the defensive unit. Tremont Morris Brash returns as a defensive end and the team's sack and tackle for loss leader with six sacks last year and 13 tackles for losses. So again, our offensive line is a big question mark. We have a new quarterback. Jason Johnson's the only returning linebacker when you look at that position group, but he did have 126 tackles last season. So, (laughs) I mean, again, don't sleep on the Stevens. I will say this, like, and it completely depends on where they're at at this point in the season because we might very well be able to sleep on them. But if they're sitting at five wins trying to make a bowl game, definitely don't sleep on them. So I will just say that. It's a dub. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying. I don't know. It, it, I'm just I'm talking excited. 
I love the confidence, though. I'm just talking trash, man. I feel good. I just, guys, I feel good about our team. I do too. I don't. I just feel really good going into camp. Alan Bowman. I don't know. Maybe it's just because you know football is in the air and we're going into camp, and it's just giving me uh, just some weird confidence right now. Between Alan Bowman, between the return on you know of the guys on the defense, Brian Nardo. I feel good about him. He's already landing some big time recruits. Continuity on the offensive coaching staff. I don't know, man. I just. I don't know. I feel good. I mean, it might hurt losing Spencer Sanders a little bit because of what he was able to do from a, you know, from a Russian attack, but I'm over that. I'm over that. And hopefully he gets to play at Ole Miss. Well, and even though if he's going to ever sniff the field over at Ole Miss, if he's even going to stay at Ole Miss, but yeah, let me tell you, I feel really good about our team heading into the 2023 season. Go Pokes. I feel good too. I just think after last season, you're so high after 2021 and the Fiesta Bowl win, and we're like, we're doing this. And you, you know, you have a tight double overtime loss to TCU, and you're like, we're still in this. And then all of a sudden, it's just like nosedive. So I'm trying to go in being like, I feel good, guys. We can do this one yeah. game at a time. Let's just stay here, not too high, not too low, right in the middle. We're beating everybody. <laughs> Let's go. That's what, hey, that's where I'm at. I am ready to have my heart ripped out and be disappointed if that's what it comes down to. But my expectations are sky high right now. And when's the last time? Sorry, I'm, I feel like I'm just over here kind of like rambling a little bit. Typically, after a, you know a seven win type of season, eight win type of season, we come back and make a real run for the conference championship. That's what I'm expecting this season, right? Like just a real run, whooping OU and Texas along the way. So and we Cincinnati won't play and. So, uh, uh, yeah, of course. Well, whooping Cincinnati and Central Florida along the way, as we're talking about today. And I I didn't know this, but I guess UCF and Cincinnati are rivals. They are now. Maybe they are. I think we're Uh, American. American. Yeah. American American Athletic Conference. Yeah. The AAC. Something. Something inferior. Uh, and then the other thing that I wanted to point out, I think a lot of people probably know this by now, but they used to be the Golden Knights. And that's for some reason what I kind of remember, maybe like playing back. In Are they no longer the Golden Knights? No. So this is what this is what's so crazy to me. They changed their name in 2007 what to, the drop, to drop the Golden and just go with the Knights. So Bro, I've known them as the Golden Knights this entire time. Yeah, so whoever's in charge of their rebranding is not doing a great job over there. <laughs> the Central Florida Knights. Their mascot's name is Nitro. K-N-I-G-H-T-R-O. That's pretty. That's tough. That's kind of like cool. That's fun. Yeah, that's that's cool. Cool. He had a very fun black and gold blazer at Media Days um, that mm. I would 100% wear in my regular life. So, well, man, well, Nitro. <laughs> The Knights versus the Cowboys. I like that uh, that that type of matchup right there. If I had to choose, you already know. Round them up. Cowboy they got the up. space theme going with so they're like space knights. Space yeah. Cowboys. What is that? Yeah, they they have that uh, old space kind of mascot too. Just sounded dumb. Bad radio right now. <laughs> uh, Yo, this is the trashing Central Florida episode yeah. for no reason. But like, no, this is this is absolutely the reason right here. It's like, why do y'all have anything to do with this space stuff? Whenever all that is about an hour away, like it has nothing to do with 
I'm just kidding. It has a little bit to do with the academic side of things. I'm sure that there are very, you know, prestigious alumni that work for that space station out there will not, uh, will not disrespect that in any way, but come on, man, with your football team, making these space helmets, looking like the top of a Rolls Royce car. Get out of here. We have a partnership with NASA too. Do we? Oh, well, see, there you go. We just signed like a deal with them for something, but yes. So (laughs) we're in space too, UCF. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Space Cowboys. Well, listeners, viewers, let us know what you think. Let us know what you think about UCF and Cincinnati. And if we have anything to fear or if Eve is right, easy dub. Let us know in the comments. Write us. We are curious. Next week, we will dissect Houston and our season finale, BYU. So stay tuned for that. Can't wait, guys. Next week is camp. Football is back. Football's Thank back. you all for listening to this episode of Believe in OK State presented by Bet Online. Like, share, subscribe, comment, follow, all of the things. And of course, go pokes. Go pokes. Go pokes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.